I had not anticipated that this is where the conversation would lead. Hearing about Hamid and Sydney's perspective, also Alex coming through and sharing what inspires her, I feel very motivated. Welcome everyone, this is Culture in the Craft Black Voices episode. We've got some of us who are from overseas and then also some of us who were birthed on the continent of Africa. I think it's great for us to come together and just talk and specifically look at what next for black experts, professionals, creatives in the industries that we work, which span from animation to visual effects and right across from you know, augmented reality, VR to motion design and just our perceptions of what we've seen, how do we move forward effectively and bring others with us. Quick introduction, I've got Sydney who's out in New Zealand. Thank you for joining. Sydney's an animation supervisor over at Weta and a recent member of the Academy and we've got um, Hamid, who is a rigger and visual effects specialist, but now runs his own AR and visual effects studio, Kugali. And then Alex, who has joined us as an emerging freelance motion designer, 2D animator, illustrator, just like new blood into our <laughs> So maybe we should just jump right into it and um, to frame the conversation. We've lived through quite a challenging time. We've had um, COVID, for those who may listen back um, to give them context, um, it, this pandemic that has reached across the entire globe, shut down our entire global economy um, and frozen our industry really. So we're trying to work around all of those things and then constantly living alongside this aspect of racism, brutality amongst the police um, force, um, the pinnacle of it being George Floyd's murder recently, in, a month or so ago. And we're seeing an uptick in a lot of people awakening to these systematic um, oppressions that we as black experts have suffered even outside of industry. Um, shows of solidarity are there, the black squares, and we collectively know and understand and probably have had so many discussions amongst our communities, friends and families um, about that. Um, just to lead into or warm up ourselves, um, how, how is everyone like personally doing? On my side, I'm doing generally fine in that the company is still alive and so we're still going on. It's, it, okay, I like to look at my life in like a storybook in a way. So that definitely helps a lot. So right now it's more like a chapter where the hero is getting really crushed. So that's how I'm looking at it. And I'm looking like, yeah, but I'm still standing up strong. So it's more of like an inspiring look in that I'm beating this. Uh, so that's how I'm looking at it right now. So I, I feel great in that I'm actually going through this in a good way. And I'm actually, some things are definitely going to improve just because of the, because there's that saying that there's no way, things really change when things go really badly. That's when things really get reconstructed. In that every day, let's go with racism, for example, right? There's small things that happen here and there, but don't really spark that much of a change. But if something drastic really happens, like the judge right thing, it tends to spark a bigger impact and that creates more changes, which is unfortunate, but tends to be like how things usually go. Even economically right now, they pretty much the whole world economy collapsed in, in and on itself in some way. But if you look at the digital space as in the digital economy, and that's for a lot of people, a lot of people don't need to go to an office to work. And a lot of people would actually prefer to stay at home. And that option has been opened realistically right now because of the crash of the economy. So there's always those things that come out. So that's how I tend to look at it. So definitely we got a few punches, a few uppercuts from the world in 2020, uh, but we're still going on. So that's my take on it. That's how I feel about it. This year, it has been like a massive roller coaster. A lot of things happening. Um, it has, personally, it has affected 
um, my work. <laughs> you know, I haven't been able to work for a couple, few months now, um, which is I thought was kind of weird because I thought, you know, working remotely, I'll be able to get some work as a motion designer. But a lot of the companies I was working for, like in context before, just didn't have any like income coming in. So slowly it's starting to trickle back, which I'm grateful for. But at the same time, the pro is that I've had a lot of time to just do my own personal projects and develop my own style more and do my own thing. So that's actually kind of been the upside to something that's quite, you know, dreary. And um, in terms of everything going on with the Black Lives Matter movement and the spark of George Floyd, it has been, it has been a quite a triggering moment you know, to kind of see that kind of footage over and over again and then have to live through it, especially when you've had like things like Trayvon Martin, which was um, a few years back and Mike Brown and now George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. It's, 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 it's a triggering moment, really. And um, I'm happy that the world is kind of coming together, I guess, to kind of see it. But at the same time, I'm still very pessimistic because I, I personally don't believe there's going to be any genuine change, to be honest. So that's just my view. I'm just pessimistic in that way. <laughs> I, um, I mean, uh, as, as far as the COVID goes, we, we have been fortunate here uh, with a, with a uh, manage and New Zealand of a role, managed the, manage the, the COVID pretty well. Um, you know, we, we didn't have the case. We didn't have over, I don't know, I don't think we even reached uh, 20 casualties on, on, on that. It's still, wow. it's still uh, you know, it, uh, yeah, they, they, they managed that really well. And uh, as a company, uh, whether it is the, the same thing, so we never stopped working. Basically, I was uh, busier. Uh, on COVID, on COVID lockdown than I was when I was at the office. So a lot of stuff came just because we were still able. The, the work from home process went pretty, really well here. So a lot of work poured in. And as a father, it was a great experience to have because uh, working 50, 60, 70 hours in the week, I tend not to see my kids um, Uh, a lot as much as I would love to and uh, working from home was actually a massive change in that so uh, despite all the bad that happened um, one of those who dare say that it was actually a pretty good experience and uh, um, as far as the um, George Floyd case goes uh, I'm standing pretty close to what uh, Ibrahim was uh, Hamid was saying um, I, I, it was quite upsetting at first, you know, um, upsetting is, is an understatement. I should be enraging uh, to see that for nine minutes going on. It was, it was, you know, you, you, you question humanity at some point when you watch that kind of stuff. But uh, taking a step back and coming back, because basically uh, I almost saw myself there. You know, it's like what it could happen to me, it could happen to my brother, it could happen to my friends, it's, uh, it could, could happen to my son. And it's, um, it's something that is a little um, hard to take in uh, that way. But uh, when you take a step back, um, what I like is not uh, spending too much time thinking about that that way, because that is damaging. But just to keep it on trying to see how we can help improve the African, uh, um, you know, expression, just like you said earlier, how we can make sure that our voice gets heard better, how we can make sure that our own creativity uh, uh, gets uh, shown a little more. So uh, I'm working a little more diligently to accomplish that. Yeah, just to ride off of everyone's statements, the triggering, the trauma, um, and then right across to the opportunities and the reaching out. However, optically, it looks like maybe people are doing it just to serve short-term benefits. I still see that this inching open of the door or the window um, 
still affords a chance for things to continue to progress and within that conversations to start happening around what does progress look like and attempts for people to take the progress that they are envisioning and bring it into a reality uh, I, I recognize it's not going to be overnight and may not necessarily be in a generation's time yet the everything begins from somewhere and if this is another turn in the iteration forward then it's to to ride that as much as possible so that we can as you say sydney we can keep keep ourselves doing the things that we love to do and sharing our skills with society and bringing bringing joy hope optimism and our stories through mm -hmm. so to that then point has anyone has anyone seen anything um that's made them think okay this particular company organization whether that be within the animation visual effects games etc space um or not has anyone been able to recognize okay here is an opportunity that looks like it's leading into something that is progressive and actionable i personally think that's a tricky question mm. in the because uh, at first i never used to okay I, I avoid watching the news that's just first things first I just get my news from somewhere else. Uh, it's too much bad news all the time. Maybe if I'm watching news once a month, I'll get all the bad information in one day and I can process that. <laughs> uh, but one thing I do like to do is, I do, I do like to have discussions with people from either side. Like uh, I have a few friends who are right-wing. I, uh, I have a really dumb right-wing friend and a really smart right-wing friend. And I've got a few dumb left-wing friends and a few really smart left-wing friends, right? Wait, like just, to have discussions just uh, before you go too far, can uh -huh. you just expand on what you mean by right wing because there's a spectrum of there's okay. conservatism <laughs> uh -huh. and there is right wing just so we're really clear to anyone listening what you are meaning when you say right wing because there is a very specific meaning okay. to that language again i'm not in that sphere so i don't know how to how many times. okay i'm gonna define these guys that who i know right so there's one guy who i know the smart guy he's mostly right wing more in the business sense. Uh, like he's very against, um, okay, he thinks the function of government is not to support us. The function of government is to keep us in place. So in other words, government should not interfere with anything unless it is really, really called for, right? So unless it's really called mm -hmm. for. So in other words, he thinks, for example, government should be out of marriage, like that should not be a government thing, government should not be anything there. He thinks people do everything and he thinks capitalism is a solution to everything. So, so that's capitalistic. Uh, he's got yeah, very, very, very capitalistic, right? Okay. He's on the other side. Um, then the more dumb one, he's more, I can't really think he has a solid place. It's more like anything that's against the Democrats, he would almost go for. And though, oh, there's always a spin, and that's a funny thing. It's like we could be saying the same thing, but he will say it in a way that's slightly annoying. That's the best way I can describe it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's the best way I can describe it. <laughs> uh, he's a good person. That's the funny thing. He's actually a genuinely good person. He's just in that position. That's the, that's the best way I can describe him. Okay. On, on the left side, um, there are people who are reasonable. On the left, the only difference is more on the reasonableness of them. In that, I know some people who are completely unreasonable. Like, they want, they don't acknowledge any progress we've made since the beginning of time to now. Uh, pretty much, it's a zero-sum game. In that, if all racism doesn't end, uh, the world is racist. Other than, hey, we're progressing toward this thing. We've got to acknowledge that. We still have work to do, but we are really going in the right direction. Like, their thing is, like, it has to be to zero. Uh, that's the only way I can play. Like, they don't, there's no room for negotiation. There's no, like, they cannot put them with the person in the middle and they'll sit eye to eye in that they want it to be exactly that. And they don't acknowledge anything from that side. So that's the, deaf, the dumb left-wing person. Uh, normal left-wing person, I'm pretty sure that's almost all of us right now over in this call, as far as I can see. I'm not sure. But I know for sure, Lorna, you're definitely like a normal left-wing person. Normal left -wing person. <laughs> no, <laughs> do not put my energy in that space. I'd 
So centrist, right? That's how I put it, right? So I have both of those, right? And when it comes to like systemic racism or stuff like that, just from talking to both of them and actually putting time to actually research into it a little bit, and it's not really that it's a person or a particular system. And I tend to see um, if we change the word from systemic racism to echoes of history that affect black people today, I think if you actually, my right-wing friends, both of them, they would bo- they'll both jump on the boat. But the moment you call it systemic, it sounds more like there's something literally put in place. That's how they interpret it, right? That's a system. It's put in place to hold black people down. And that seems to be the friction on that side. So it's just the word itself. But if you go through the actual explanation of, hey, uh, let's say because this happened and that happened, people in this area, it's going to be very hard for them to get from A to B. They, they agree. So it's more like a word thing. So again, I don't think, I don't see how, again, you can now change that in a workplace. In that, for example, I work in MPC, uh, not that many black people in there. I think the first two days I didn't see a single black person, right? But it's not like MPC is trying to be racist, right? And they're actually very progressive. They actually actively try to kind of do that, right? But it's just that even in class, when I was in uni, I think out of 100 people, I can remember five black people, right? That's a very tiny number. I don't know how you guys were in your unit, but it was like yeah, something like that. Like it's very, very small percentage of people who have to be black. So that tries to translate upward. So I don't see how they can fix the system of that. Uh, so that's why it's like, it's tricky. I don't think it's something you fix. I think it's something, um, in other words, like when we see a problem, we address that one problem. So for example, with the police brutality, like we have seen that problem, we can address a problem. If it's in a workplace, when we see a problem, we can address it. But there's no way to really fix something that we can't really properly define. That's why that's why I put yeah, it in. That, I cannot put it there. My, my, my take on that is, uh, I, I'm, I'm asking for people not to see me as a person of color. I'm one, but I don't care, right? So uh, what I'm telling people, if I'm telling people don't stop labeling me by my skin color, I can't label them by their skin color. See what I mean? We have to be in the same space. So I try to forget about that. I, I, uh, every, um, I want NAs and VES, uh, um, you know, uh, awards. And every single time I went to those places, I'm like, one or two. I mean, when you see another black guy, you just go straight to him and you go, hey, man, how are you doing? <laughs> what do you do? Because uh, we are not many. But the reason why we are not many, it's not so much because the system is holding us out. I mean, again, that's just my humble view. It's not because the system is holding us out. We, this is not our country. This is not our place. I mean, I'm from Africa. So uh, uh, the same goes for them over there. I I remember younger, I was in class. You had one or two white people in there, right? And and it's as if, um, basically, uh, what I'm trying to say is that the complaint needs to be uh, really properly uh, uh, analyzed. What I'm saying is that I like what... uh, um, Hamid and Alex and you, Lorna, and some of us are trying to do here in terms of busting the door open for our brothers, for our sisters back in the country, in in our countries, back in Africa. But I'm not going to blame people that have this place as their country for not having a hundred and millions of black people in there, just because a lot of black people are not in that field. And that's absolutely fine. The problem will come if, because I'm black, I'm getting stopped to get into a a certain place. And I don't think our industry is like that. We are in a very uh, fortunate place where our industry recognizes mainly only talent. You uh, you you, you, You have talent, you have skills, you get anywhere. And I mean, I mean everywhere. I studied at Illumination MyGov, I, I, I studied at RealFX, Illumination MyGov, I went to Framestore, I did MPC, I did ILM, and I'm now at Weather. At none of those places, I've seen somebody looking at me like, huh, 
this guy is black that uh, Elio had, you know? So uh, I, I feel like the main thing we have to do now, because I know how talented people are in Africa, I just want to give them a chance to express that talent in this field. It's not a field that we recognize a lot back in our countries, right? So I want to give them a chance to express themselves in, the, in that field as well. And the more they're going to be recognized, the more we're going to recognize that field for us, our own people, the more they're going to be able to express themselves in that field and the more the rest of the world will be able to embrace their creativity as well. So that's, that's sort of where I stand on, on that. Yeah, I agree with you. That's why I said I don't think there's a system. It's more mm. just echoes from the past or maybe the mm. place we are, as you said. And I thought about that in that the actual location in that back home in Africa, as you said, when we're in school, I think I saw those, and you could definitely notice them. They stand out, like in an assembly. If you've been in those, it's just like just like two white dots. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Alex, what do you think? Um, I guess I'm coming from a, a different perspective in the fact that yeah. I am like second generation, born in London. Yeah. And my grandparents came, I don't know if you're aware of like the Rinwash era, but it's when um, the UK recruited a lot of Caribbean people to help with the aftermath of World War II. So um, that's how my family kind of came to, to England, to London. And I say that because I do believe that from growing up in the educational system, I do believe there has been blocks set in place for like black people. Um, and I can say that because, you know, a lot of girls, I went to a very, I went to a girls school and it was in a very, it's, it's, I guess it's in a low income area. It's mainly black and Asian girls that went there. And a lot of the black girls were proposed to do like childcare or more like nursing home jobs or stuff like that. They wasn't encouraged as, um, you know, the, the white people and, you know, um, Asian people to kind of go for jobs that you know are empowering where you are in control and you have like a career a lot of the time it's like oh childcare for you or nursing homes for you so I I do believe there is a systematic kind of agenda I can't, I can't speak for anywhere else in the world but I can definitely match my experience being in London because it, and I think it starts from young I think it's just telling people what you can and you can't do um, I was very fortunate, my parents, you know, and my grandparents, you know, they do push you to kind of be like, you can do anything. It was very encouraging, but I know that paired against educational system, the police system that's in the UK as well, um, there's a lot of stop and search that happens. There's just a lot of microaggressions that can feed into it and subconsciously, I think there's a lot of people who don't necessarily think that they can reach certain levels because of you know, influence from, you know, the environment. So that's, that's where I'm coming from. I understand what, I understand where you, it's like, you know, you get recognized for your talent. And I do think that's true because obviously, you know, I have, when I've gone to work, you know, I don't know, I do notice that people are surprised, especially because my name is Alex. And if you don't um, search me, you know, oh, she's a girl and oh, she's black as well. <laughs> But, you know, when I do start working, no one cares. You know, it is a, it is a case of um, my work. But to get to that point, you know, you have to have a lot of perseverance and a lot of self-belief and a lot of a good support system. And um, I think sometimes when systematic racism is in place, a lot of people don't really have that, if that makes sense. I don't know. But, yeah, that's, that's my view really feel what you're saying Alex I think the scores are on the board if you look across any industry globally and you just see the repetition of a certain identity that exists I I don't think you can argue the odds when you think there is a certain set of people even if there are not that many in terms of proportion, when you look at how affected people are by certain outcomes, by their proportion, 
So the distribution of the unfairness on a small proportion versus on a larger proportion, still the math says the, the playing yeah. field is not, is not level. And whether or not we can and can't give it a name, identify it, there's certainly work to do. And if we think about that work that needs to be done, Alex, you mentioned there's some good support, some yeah. support things. Do you want to talk a bit about what do you mean by the good support things? Um, so, again, my, my immediate support system has been my family, but then there has been external things. So, like, for instance, this, this group, you know, um, I think it's amazing how you're pulling together like black creators from Sephora, just like around the world and everybody can kind of, kind of say their experience, can like, speak to their truth and their career and where they've gone. And I think that's very inspiring. Um, and I think if that was kind of reached for like younger people, especially like, you know, it's possible, look at everybody here, you know, I think that's, that's a good form of support. Um, Another thing, I was a part of an agency called Creative Access, and it was for, like, um, black and, well, BAM, so black and minority ethnics in London, or in the UK, rather, to kind of get them a head start into jobs. And I think that was really good because um, it was cool to meet people who were in a similar situation um, as me coming out of university, couldn't really find anything so this kind of agency kind of just pushed you to kind of be like pushed you to get into certain jobs basically and that was a great support system and that that sort of stuff like more centric that's centric. i have a question right because noticing now uh actually sydney uh mm -hmm. how long have you been uh did you grow up inside i'm guessing you grew up in south africa since you said you were there uh for how long were you there I, I I was born in France, but I um, I went back there when I was two years old. So basically, all my my childhood there, mm -hmm. and I till I was seventeen. So I spent fifteen years there. And, okay. Uh, yeah. So the reason I ask that is because I noticed this with a few people as well who are from Africa who come here who are who grew up in Africa. They tend to have a different stance from people who grew up here as I see with Alex right now, which is, it's a system thing. I have a question, right? Could that be, okay, if you grew up in Africa, you have a certain kind of personality, let's say, no, no, not fixed, but you, there's a way you look into the world. Could it be more of a thing of how people are made, as we see with Alex, right? Like you're not encouraged to do these jobs and that jobs uh, when you're going in school, right? Like how was, could it be that thing over there that then shifts a personality of somebody over here uh, would that be a big part of the problem? Like, and how much of that? Okay, let's say we look at the problem, right? You have your skill set. Uh, you have, let's say, the actual institutions themselves, like let's say the VFX companies. Uh, you have the schools you went to, just the schools themselves, and then you have like the encouraging and discouraging factors, right? Which of those would be the one that would actually be taking up the biggest space in, like, let's say, not having like great, great okay, creating that disparity. Like, which one do you think, to you, and also um, to, 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 to learn as well, which of those would be the one that created the biggest disparity from what you think? Um, I think it was schools with me. Mm. Yeah, I think it was definitely schools. Um, like I said, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of clear options of what you could and couldn't do. Well, what you could do, basically. And you have to be, I mean, that's not to say that like, some girls, you know, they didn't, um, wasn't encouraged, but I think you have to be very, very exceptional to kind of get to that point. But if you had an interest that you kind of expressed uh, to your teachers, you know, it was just like, oh, you know, it's, just, it's not going to happen. But, you know, childcare is a thing. And... And if you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of black people in, in um, that kind of sector, in caring sector. And I think that was mainly pushed. So, yeah, for me, for schools, I think it started where you actually just saw the difference. Because obviously inside my home, it was like, sky's the limit. You know, there's no kind of limitations. Just go for it. But then when you get to schools, you start to notice, well, I started to notice, like, oh, actually, 
it's only meant for a certain type of person kind of thing. And it takes perseverance, like I said, to kind of break through that, that mindset, I think. Yeah. I would second that as well. Mm. And then introduce the idea of um, role models and um, figureheads who you can sort of see a vision of you or a version of you in them. It was very much this industry, even outside of, I believe, even outside of our being black or the non-black people of colour, um, even any marginalised group, I think our industry is quite elusive at the best of times. It's not something that is communicated within um, the school system that I went through, as in you could do animation, you could go into doing visual effects or um, any type of this kind of very frontier artistry. It was never discussed. It was never an option because it's not a common career path. Yet there was, um, there was a lack of seeing yourself in a future tense. You can't necessarily project or traject yourself through something when you're thinking where what is the end point like because that politician doesn't look like me so that's not a job for me that xyz doesn't look like me so that's clearly not a job for me and as you say alex they're constantly doing this little pipeline into not that there's an issue with childcare because my mum's in childcare um, yeah, but yeah. they're constantly doing a, a push towards certain types of fields then you know the cycle kind of continues and you don't break out of that cycle of like your mindset doesn't get open that's actually something new at lunch so that's that's really great uh although there's one thing which is a point which i tend to uh it's, it's a controversial point on my point i that's the point of mentors and who you look up to uh and i found this this one thing i noticed like i never noticed it ever until i started talking to more and more people in that some people want to, they only identify with somebody who looks like them as a mentor. Mm. I think that's a problem. I think that's more of a failing in how we bring people up. Because my mm. mentor is Leonardo da Vinci. That's the only reason I started being art, right? <laughs> mm. Right? He's white. Uh, he's bisexual, right? I'm black. I'm straight, right? It's like... <laughs> so... I, I, really I, like, I, I like what you're saying, uh, Hamid. It's a... It's a I think... You, you might have put the, um, uh, some focus on one of the main issue there because they are um, some, uh, when I hear Lorna and Alex, uh, um, I think what you identify there as a difference is pretty interesting uh, in terms of where do you, where did you grow, uh, uh, grow up, you know? Uh, it, it's pretty interesting to, to to see things yeah. that way. Uh, mm. Sorry, I, I, I let you carry on. Uh, I mean, sorry for interrupting you, but um, I, I just I just wanted to mention that I think it's a very interesting point to be to be made there. Yeah. So that's, that's actually, that, that was the whole point. You actually helped me finish it up in that I think because of how I grew up, nobody ever, like, I never ever thought about race mm. and me growing up. I, Funny enough, this is interesting. I told people here, they got really shocked. I never knew the name Martin Luther King until I was about 16, 17. And even then, mm. he wasn't like, I didn't even know how big he was until I came to the UK when I was 18. Is when like, I was like, I need to know these guys. And actually learned about them when I got to about 20 years old is when I properly learned about them, right? Mm. Uh, so you can see that different shift in that mm. there's no, when you're in Africa, when you grow up in Africa, there's no focus on race. Yeah. And could that be something that, um, in other words, let's call it color blindness in there to make it controversial because just add some sauce in there. Right? Yeah, let's make <laughs> it that, spicy. Yeah. Does that form of color blind, that, is it better to be color blind or is it better to have color? I've had arguments on both sides. I'm, I'm more just me as a person. I'm more on the color blind side in that, that it tends to help everyone in a way. So in other words, if you're going to... If, for example, me as a survivor, I told you my idol is Leonardo da Vinci, right? If I was going to look up to, if, if I could not look up to him because he was white, I really don't know what I would be doing right now. I, I, I just mm -hmm. do not know. And I can now imagine 
every the plethora of kids who are brought up in this society, which is very focused on race, like you, it definitely makes you differentiate that you are different from that person. Even in Africa, right? There were white kids, but you never really thought about it that much. The only thing, maybe it's the hair. That's the only thing that would be like a differentiating point between us and the white kids. The teachers will talk about the yeah. hair. But, yeah. You're absolutely right. It's, you're absolutely right. If you go to role models, it's the same thing. It's quite funny because my one was Moses. He, he, he talked to God straight away. You know, it, it was like, oh my goodness me, who is that guy who managed to do that? And uh, so that's on the personal life type of uh, uh, level. But on, uh, on the art part, uh, um, I discovered art, I was 22 years old, you know. Uh, 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 my life started with Marvel Comics book uh, and, and Marvel VHS, you know, Spider-Man, the whole work. And Marvel was the thing for me. Uh, and then when I discovered animation, age 22, it became Glenkin, you know, American, white and everything. Yeah. And, and, and then Sergio Pablo's a Spanish and, and, and so on. And I, I, I heard the name of a black, I don't even know black animators uh, at Disney. I don't know them by name, you know, but because my inspiration was on the craft, not on who they were. So I, uh, like, like I said earlier, because I'm not asking, I'm not seeing myself as a colored person, or rather, should I say, I know that I'm colored and I don't care, right? Uh, I don't want to care about the fact that other, other person have a different color than mine. But what I'm caring about is the fact that, indeed, back home, so many amazing artists that, I mean, look at us. We dance in a muddy paddle. You go in Africa and where everybody's seeing some poor kids, oh, they don't have, they don't have a ground they can play on and, and so on. When you go there and you see those kids playing because it's raining and there's that muddy puddle, their clothes are all dirty, you cannot help it but smile because you see that their perspective of life is, is not the one that you have been uh, uh, watching from uh, uh, the, the Western part of the world. You see what I mean? You see, you see through their eyes, you see through their, their life, and all of a sudden you see, oh, no, these guys are just happy as they are there. The only thing I want to do is say, you are incredibly talented, you are incredibly resourceful, and the art part of our life is something that we don't look at. We don't tell our own stories with our own eyes. We don't uh, we don't, um, you know, write our own stories from the legends. We are Africa, goodness me. We are the place where everything started. And nobody talks about our story better than we, we, we could do it. But we don't do it because art is not part of our DNA. So what I want to try to do is grab as much as uh, the, the blessing I've received by knowing the stuff I know enough from this industry, I want to bring that back home and give these guys a pencil and a, a Wacom tablet, tell them what Maya does, tell them what Photoshop does, and say, listen to the story our grandma and grandpa were telling us, and let's try to see how we can express them graphically. And maybe the world will embrace it. That's, that, that's basically how I see all, all of that, you know. So maybe that's optimistic. I don't know exactly, but uh, yeah. I, um, yeah. I like the way you just gave the whole Kogali pitch. Uh, even if you know what Kogali does, Cindy just gave it to you right there. So, well, well, well. the company it's... building is uh, the third pole, and that's exactly what we are trying to do. So. Yeah, I think. Sorry, Lorna. I I I'm, really, I'm really happy that you've tapped into that because I think we've identified something that's really important and maybe we can't overlook that when you do grow up in the global West, your mm. barometer is mm. um, offset or attuned to a different narrative that doesn't reflect who you are. Whereas, mm. you know, on the continent of Africa, your barometer is already set to a tune that you're already familiar with. Like the global majority mm. is you. So you default to neutral of you. So when you're already starting from there, 
then you know, okay, let's go to the next layer. And, mm. you know, as much as we have grown up in the global West, that is quite a powerful tool to not mm. be able to see. Um, representation is a part of a family of um, empowerment or progression that any race group um, company organization if you harness it well you can really ignite within your movement if you lower it then you can seek to dismantle that group or that ideology and I think what you Hamid and Sydney are saying maybe that is is totally true that growing up in a global west environment does offset so you're coming with an offset whereas growing up on the continent you're coming from less of an offset however I don't want to I don't want to undermine so, so, the so, fact that yeah, yeah. exactly Exactly. I don't want to undermine the fact that we've had saying that, access to a lot of other things yeah. in the other sense. So yeah. there has been a lot of opportunity yeah. to compare the two. It's not, you know, there's a privilege of being here and saying, oh, I haven't got this, I haven't got that. Um, when you yeah. really look at if you had grown up on the continent where my parents grew up, there were stories and their grandparents telling me, about certain sacrifices, certain, you know, things that they just did not have, not because they were being systematically oppressed, it's just this resources were not there. And there is a there is a case for whilst being offset as a community, as a diaspora, there are these tools that have been an, in and around our experience that we've had access to. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I think yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think I don't think saying what we are saying is uh, undermining, like you said, the, the reality of uh, what you guys uh, uh, are talking about uh, about as well. It's just very interesting to see the the you know to to sort of put a, a, yeah. That's why I love this. I'm so glad yes. to have all your voices here because what. I, I don't know if I interrupted what um, Sydney you were about to say about um, giving back, like offering. Yeah. No, the 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 idea is uh, basically what I talk about is to say that um, uh, we we tend as African people. Um, let me put that this way: uh, we know that we have been fortunate. I know that I've been fortunate to, to, to learn the stuff I've learned uh, and to be able to be in the position I'm in today. And uh, I remember just back, uh, back in the days when I started to draw and all of that, I was far from being the most talented kid uh, uh, out there, but none of them, I'm the, the only one, so I'm still in contact with a, a lot of those friends. They are all doctors, or some of them are doing uh, arch, uh, architecture. Uh, one of them is actually doing that, but all the rest of them just went away from the drawing. Why? Because the way we see that in the majority you know, of African country, and I mean, you can forget that, is that art is not a thing. Yeah. Art is not a thing. Basically, in, in my country, in Congo, uh, uh, anything that you draw is called Mickey. Mickey Mouse. So, <laughs> yeah. So anything that you draw, you, you, can, you, can, you can draw something that looks like Fratzeta art, they're going to call that Mickey. And that's just to say, young man, beyond a certain age, you know, you, you don't need to do that. Think about the grown-up stuff, you know. Uh, economics, medicine, politics, uh, uh, you know, law. Th that's the kind of stuff you need to get yourself into. And, uh, and we, we lost, we lost our, uh, my, what I'm scared of for Africa is that we are losing our stories. We are so happy to see Black Panther because Black Panther is the one thing that sort of speak about what Africa is. We all know that that's not like that at all but because none of us is saying what it is like not nobody can know so i just want to have a chance to go okay black panther is great 
It's a vision of what Africa could be. Africa could be, what are we now? How proud are we of what we are? And let's express that. Not in the sense that, hey, look at us, we are good, we are... No, it's just the way we are telling our own story. And we, we want to give a chance to, to the world to see that as well. Because I love Nigerian music for that matter. They are proud of being black. Uh, and you hear a lot of uh, music for Tanzania and all those stuff. It's just a great. They don't try to make up the, their roads, their cities, their people. They just film them. They show that to you. And you're like, oh, wow, people can be happy. But it's mm. just, you know, the reality of where we are and what we do is important for people to see. And the art there is tremendous. Let's give, let's burst that door open. That's basically what I'm saying. Yeah. We have the tools now. We have the people. Let's burst that door open. They don't want to open it for us. We take it. It's that simple. Yeah, completely agree with you. Again, oh. Kugali pitch over there uh, again, right? <laughs> and I'd say, uh, I mean, if you say Kugali one more time. <laughs> 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 yeah, but it's actually very true because literally that's literally the reason actually the campaign was started. Because uh, it's my story, the Ziki story is what we like to tell my other co-founder. His one is because remember, instead of as comic books, Ziki liked comic books when he was younger. But obviously, it's Marvel and so on. And if you do comics, your siblings or you, any kind of art, I'm pretty sure if you have a younger sibling, they try and pick up on that. So Ziki's brother was drawing comic book characters, but all of them were white. And Ziki was like, "Why don't you draw a black character?" And he was like, "Black character is not cool." But that's a kid, right? He's like, "Yes, it's in mm-hmm. black characters." And that was like a turning point in that, hey, you know what? We need to do this. And it's that thing of it's not just that. Okay, you're young, you grew up in that way. It's also in the art style. This is one I've noticed uh, as we're doing Gali right now. In that, a lot of African artists learn art informally. In that, they will just almost copy somebody they like, and those tend to be people from Europe or Asia, right? And their styles kind of transcribed from that. And that has come with a theme which I noticed in that when they get really good in those styles, they don't draw just dark skin characters. Not that many yeah. of them are out there, right? So it's almost like you have to break the kind of colors you always done because you're learning them informally. So you kind of do it the way you like. And if you're to try and do a black character, maybe it might not look as good as the other one. And it's, you almost have to relearn how to draw or you have to have learned how to draw the proper way to be able to draw that character just because the person who you learned from drew them in this way. Even though they didn't draw that many black characters, they didn't do any, you have no reference for that. So that was one that's actually actually properly stood out, right? And as, as I said again, um, was bringing up our own stories. In the comic book world, we're actually starting to go all right now in that I think, our goal was to spread African stories over the world. I think to date, we have done 34 countries we have sold in. And it's that thing of any convention we would go into, it's the same reaction. I never even thought about this, right? But now that person has an African story in their hand, right? By somebody who lived there, who drew it. And it's that there's the appetite is there. And people back home want to do them, right? But if you're a kid, you want to do it. It's just in between, there's that parent factor again. Our parents are worried about that. And also the society itself, like in art school, the saying was, hey, uh, you only study art to become an art teacher. Like that, that was the only opportunity as seen as being, a, as you studying art is, you're only going to do this, the best you're going to get is becoming an art teacher, right? By something of, I really loved it. Like, I, I genuinely loved it. And if I stayed back home, I can almost guarantee I would not have continued with that because I was good at physics as well. And for sure, I was going to get driven in that direction. But when I came here, it's that thing, there's that bit of freedom you have to pick the path you're going to go into. So me growing up there with that love, when I came here, I was looking for an architecture course, actually. And then... I happened to bump into animation game design. And I was like, wait, people do this? This was in college, right? I didn't even notice. I've watched all that stuff. It didn't register to make people actually do it until I saw the course. And I registered for that course. Freaked freaked the hell out of my mom. I see she was encouraging me. But you know when you see somebody's face and you know inside they're like, oh my God, what is happening? Right? (laughs) But she's encouraging with the words. But inside you can tell that bit of, she's definitely (laughs) terrified, right? The love is there. But it's like, that bit there, I think, as Sydney said, the people are talented when they're younger, but as you get older, it's almost a thing which people do when they're younger because, at least back home, out mm-hmm. here, um, you guys seem to have a different problem in the West in that when you're younger, you get the encouragement, but you don't, uh, you, for example, you don't look at Leonardo da Vinci, a lot of people, as an inspiration because you don't, you don't identify as him, so that's the thing holding you back is that, um, at least I think, right? 
you do not look up to these people because they are not you. Well, for no, us, as we can look up designed, those people who are not us, and we can go in that it's direction. It's designed from that like offset. So as yeah. you're growing up, the norm is always not you, and the norm is always lauded. Therefore, by default, you are not lauded. And then you start mm. thinking, okay, where is the value of my worth? Alex, you said yeah. you're from St. Lucia and maybe a perspective from the islands. I know we are talking about Africa as the continent. We have, yeah. you know, we have our island brothers and sisters in the Caribbean. Um, how, how do you see, you know, that going on in the islands? I don't know how much time you spend back there or within your community. Um. Again, like, I think the Caribbean is very creative, but I think and a lot of it does tend to push towards more, like, academic-type subjects and, you know, the same kind of thing with doctors and everything. Everybody tends to kind of leave the island to go to Canada or to America or to London to kind of expand. But um, I don't know. In, in terms of, um, like, representation, how, how I got into animation is that I really just... I just loved the art form, like... I just remember watching Fox and the Hounds when I was younger and it always made me cry. And from there, I was always just drawing little cartoons and everything. I made a PowerPoint animation when I was like young. And then it just, and then from there, I started to like sci-fi. So I really, I'm really love like Ridley Scott. And um, it's not, I, I'm kind of on the fence because yeah, it, I do love all these directors and everything and their achievements because Blade Runner is one of my favorite films. Coraline, the stop motion animation I like is one of my favorite films. Um, Pan's Labyrinth, all these amazing films I just absolutely adore. But at the same time, you do kind of again, like, uh, it would be cool just to see it from a black perspective, just like what you're saying, Sydney, it would be cool to kind of see stories that, you know, are from your own culture that reflect your experiences and that can you can relate to and and like it's, it's an untapped market and there are short stories there are short films that people are making um from around the world but it would be good just to have a plethora of mm. them and um i think there's some amazing stories in the caribbean especially in the caribbean community in london same with like african communities in london as well i think because the experiences are so different. I think it's worth saying, telling the story. So mm-hmm. I definitely think it's up to creatives to kind of say that, tell that. Yeah, the the the, the path there is a long one, because we we are we are here talking and saying, yeah, it would be great to 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 have that, and yeah. we absolutely working towards that. And then you get to Africa and you say what you do, and people are like. What? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, well, that's that's not a priority for us, you know. Uh, health is a priority. This is a priority, and you have a hard time getting people to understand that the, the youth is a priority as well, and that uh, there is a way there with this art form to get them to to express themselves. We need to get to the young people. How do we do that within our respective spaces? People are really sleeping with Snapchat and AR filters. I'll give an example. Our Black History Month filter we made, it got used by 45 million people. Now, that's like zero promotion put on it, right? And it's just, this is, that's how they interact with media. It's a good way. I love kids. For example, my little sister, um, when I was excited, I showed her. She was happy about it, but that wasn't like, it wasn't like every single day kind of thing. Uh, but a few Snapchat filters we've made, she plays with that every single time. I'd put way more emphasis on the Leon King. Those way more work. Uh, like to me, right? But to them, the ways they see it is like, hey, this is making me look funny. Look at that. Look like da 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 da. Uh, that's more like that sticks with them much longer and they use it repeatedly over and over again. So that's one place I know you could have things, people, what people are sleeping on. Uh, these new platforms like uh, Snapchat and uh, let's say even TikTok. In that, because remember, there was a time where it was from books to animations, where that was like the main one. And right now, it's not even just animated films. Like, my sister, my sister hardly watches the TV. She's on the iPad. Even animated shows, she watches like really short ones on the iPad. So it's like things are, it's, it's starting moving. I don't know how serious it is. It's a bit depressing. But again, I remember when our parents mm-hmm. telling us depressing, we are, like we don't want to read books anymore. <laughs> yes, when I watch yeah. it. So maybe it's the same thing. But that seems to be where things are heading out with the younger people. 
Lorna, back to what you were saying and what Hamid was saying. It's actually something quite interesting because the the vision of um, um, what you can do when you when you grow up from Africa is so limited to three or four or five, let's say six jobs, right? Uh, at a high level, that when we come to Europe or US and we see that all of a sudden you have all that field that looks limited to uh, the, the African brothers and sisters that have been in those countries for a long time. For us, I mean, for me, coming from Africa, it was like, this is the world uh, opening uh, to me all of a sudden, right? So it's just because I had two and I come to a place that have 10 and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my goodness, me, really? I can choose uh, amongst those 10 things? That's yeah. fantastic. And I don't realize that it's, uh, there could be more. So maybe that's also one of the reasons uh, why the, the, the feeling and the approach is slightly different. But uh, to go back to um, Africa, one of the, the, the painful stuff that we're going to have, uh, and Hamid, you're probably in that field already, uh, we're going to have to bust is the understanding from the politician standpoint that uh, um, the youth, the creativity of the youth and the story of our uh, uh, ancestors has value into telling us who we are. One of the reasons why we have a hard time identifying or, or um, you know, being proud of what we are is that we have lost uh, so much of our backstories. You know, we, we don't write so much about the history of our countries. We don't write so much about what, what was before uh, the colonization and all those stuff. You know, it's amazing because in the, the storybook in my country, you almost have the feeling that history doesn't start before yes. colonization. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like where, the big where bang happened then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And bam, yeah. you were a slave. You yeah. were a slave and now you're free. Yeah. What are you talking about? I was, this is a single section of the, the, the millions of years of our existence. What was I before that? If I can connect to that, if I can connect to that, I'm connecting to much more than what people are, you know, perceiving of me and that's what creates value for me so we we have to give the tools to our people but we also have to remind our parents that history has value uh, let us embrace that again and we can tell our own stories america then conquered the, the world only with the atomic bomb they did that through their cinema it has value the Chinese and the Japanese, a tiny country, is one of the most pop culture in the world. Why? Manga, anime, that's everybody into those stuff. We are not telling our stuff. I, I can't repeat that enough. <laughs> we, we need to tell our story. We need to remember who we are and not impose ourselves to the rest of the, the world just to show that we can be part of it, that we are already part of it just in a way that wasn't feasible. And uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like it's good to, to be able to expand ourselves beyond, beyond the slave or uh, oppressed people. We weren't yeah, always okay. that. That is a single section of, of our lives if we can see back, further back enough. I agree. Yeah, completely agree. I think that's uh, amazing. I, wow. To think of it like that, I think really plants a seed and I'm quite aware of everyone's time because we're heading to mm -hmm. quarter past 10 here in the United Kingdom. Um, <laughs> Sydney, it must be very late um, your side as well. Right. So, yeah, we're getting close to, to yeah, it's 9.15ish, I guess. Uh, you know, it's it's. I, I just I gotta say that thanks a, thanks a lot, uh, Lorna, for making yes. it happen. I didn't know quite what to ex uh, expect, but it's actually good to have that type of conversation. No, I'm really, I'm kind of mind blown about where this conversation has led. So much to the point that I would love to connect us all back together, maybe in a few mm -hmm. weeks or maybe in a month and a bit, 
um, try and coordinate our schedules to continue the conversation. I feel like I just took a couple of notes to take away. We are all in agreement that we've, we're coming at this from different perspectives. Yeah, it sounds like the reconnection with our identity, that our story, the history of our story is an important one to embrace and place a value on and fight for. And that's where we should make a good start. Mm -hmm. Definitely, 100% yeah. agree. Yeah, uh, before, actually, I want to ask you a question. I, we kind of glanced through it. Yeah. Uh, there was a company you said you started, I didn't get the name for the company. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm starting it. Uh, uh, I'm writing a website about it at the moment. It's, uh, I, I was supposed to have a first conference in Nigeria and COVID happened. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> now I'm, I'm totally derailed. Uh, but um, the company name is The Third Pole. And basically, uh, I'm just naming it almost after the third word just to say that uh, we, I'm fine being the third pole of art to rise, right? Uh, uh, there is a, the Western way of telling stories. There is this Oriental way of telling story. I want to know how Africa tells stories. And uh, that's, that's what I call the third pole. And the way to build that is basically everything we have been discussing, what, what Kugli, See, Lorna, uh, Hamid doesn't have to say it. I, I said it for him. <laughs> <laughs> what what Kugeli is trying to do is exactly that. It's um, um, take what you've learned, bringing that, bring that back home, and try to change mentality enough for us to embrace the, the notion of art. India, China have burst through all of that by giving tools for them for their people to grow. We we need our politicians to be part of that conversation. We need them to understand that their youth need more than just of politics and money. We need a sense of self, and that sense of self has always been communicated through art, whichever way, like uh, writing uh, uh, images drawing we are lacking all of that we are losing a lot of it so that's the sort of the purpose of the third pole getting african people to be able to express and tell their stories with their own voice all right cool we will put that in the information show notes of the podcast cool i'm gonna top it off if anyone is interested in reading any african stories we put up a few Free comics up on our website. Oh, okay. cool. Oh, uh, amazing. There's a free comic session there. I think uh, we broke it down in parts. So I'd say probably around, I know there are six comics up for free, but only about 40 pages of each. So quite not completely free. Uh, free in the business sense. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we need to take the reins and take things forward. Um, has anyone seen or heard of others doing similar things? I think I recently heard about, again, I'll put as many people, links, connections into the show notes. Obviously, Lionforge, who's over in the States, that worked with Matthew A. Cherry on Hair Love. So they are a Black-owned animation studio. But if anyone knows of any others, let's let's keep um, pushing those names into people's yeah. you know, vocabulary so that they don't go, oh, well, this is all well and good, but there's no one out there who's interested, which is conversation number two. Every time someone says, oh, this is cool, you say, oh, yeah, I'm not only saying this is cool, this person's saying it's cool, and they're doing this, and this person's saying it's cool, and they're doing this. I was the friend name out there, um, Vashti Harrison, and um, she does, she's illustrates and she has these books called Little Leaders, and she kind of illustrates um, basically black leaders from around the world, but for kids. And the books are just, they're just lovely. I've got my, I've got my own copy, but um, they're just really beautiful. And um, I just love what she's doing, just trying to, you know, spread the word about um, histories of individual people um, from, you know, around the world, but for kids, you know, I just love the illustration. Nice. That's good. Mm. Well, thank you, Alex. 
Mead, Sydney, thank you very, very much. That was like pure, rich, very informative and dynamic. I'll put everyone's details so everyone can, can find out more. Thank you very much. It's been amazing. Until next time, I guess. Yeah, speak very soon. Take care of yourselves. Stay safe. All right. See you guys. Take care. Bye. Bye. So that ends part one of Culture in the Craft Black Voices episode. Thank you all for listening. Details of everyone that's been in this podcast, Alex, Sydney and Hamid. Details of others who are doing really fantastic work for our communities and then also details of what to expect next from us in Culture in the Craft. I will leave all details in the show notes. Till then, take care of yourselves, stay safe and of course, Black Lives Matter.